It's one of my favorite Sundays of the whole year. Hanging of the green. Start of Advent. Start of the journey towards Christmas and to the manger. Some wonderful traditions for us as a congregation. Wonderful traditions in our own lives, in our own families. We hope that this is a year when you will join us and when we will draw closer to Jesus and closer to each other. Now, just so that we know, there's a difference in Advent and just getting Christmassy. And we're starting the journey of Advent. Advent is a time of preparation where we prepare ourselves to truly understand the nature of the miracle of the manger the nature of the good news of God coming into the world. This is a preparation for receiving Christ into our life and to look forward to his return. When, as we say in our communion liturgy, he will come to make all things new. Glorious news for you, for me, for all of us, for this world, that Christ will come again to make all things new. Now, the theme, as you see from our artwork, the theme of uh, Advent here at Covenant this year is uh, under one word, illuminate. And uh, this is a word and a theme and artwork which we hope will uh, uh, capture this season of Advent as we move towards Christmas. Each week in our worship services, as we do today, we light a different candle and to uh, trust in that light that is coming into the world. We will uh, build in this series, this entire series is building towards one moment. One moment on Christmas Eve when we gather at any of our 27 worship services on Christmas Eve that you're invited to come to. We will gather on Christmas and each of us will have a candle. And at a certain moment in the service, we will light the Christ hymn and we will take that light and we will pass that light to each and every person that holds a candle. It will go back in a darkened sanctuary to every person holding a lit candle all the way through the sanctuary. And we will sing the words of Silent Night. And on that last verse, we will raise those candles. We are building towards that moment when light, gorgeous light will radiate throughout this room as a sign of hope and love and joy in the midst of this world and in the midst of our lives in which we live. We are all building in that, this series towards that single moment. We will declare that as we read in the Gospel of John that the light has come into the world and that the darkness has tried to overcome it, but it cannot. And this is a promise. Now, part of this series and this title of Illuminate also, however, gets to the idea that there's also darkness in the world. That's what makes the light so glorious. And if you just kind of move into being Christmassy, uh, then you can't really deal with the darkness. The idea of Christmas is then that we have a month to just kind of have a romantic comedy, right? It's just like life's hard, the world's hard. Let's not do it in December. Let's just kind of pretend that stuff's not there. Let's just sort of act as though we're just kind of happier than we might be and that the world's a better place and we're going to give each other a hug and life's going to work out. And then in January, we'll deal with reality again. But right now, let's not do that. That's not the journey we're on right now. We're in Advent. And Advent is something stronger than an escapism for a month. Advent is stronger than a romantic comedy. But Advent is the idea that the darkness cannot just be avoided, but it can be engaged because the darkness has not overcome the light. And the light will illuminate every corner of this world and every corner of your life and my life. Because there is darkness in the world. 
You can't not look at the news and see it. There's a darkness right now in Israel. There's a darkness right now in Gaza. And it doesn't take a pause for the month of December, no matter how much we might not want it to. There's a darkness in Ukraine. There's a darkness in Iran. It doesn't take a pause because we just want to focus on something else. Darkness is real. Darkness is real in our own nation as we anticipate another uh, election in 11 months. And I don't know anybody that is coming election day, getting closer, going, look at the divisions in this country. This is exactly what the kingdom of God is like. Things are great. We don't need Jesus to return to make all things new. Look how good it is right now. This is like what the kingdom of God will look like every day. No, we have it in our own country. We have it in our own nation, in our own cities, in our own state. And the darkness isn't just out there, is it? Think about where you were a year ago today and think about the fact that while there has been incredible beauty in all of our lives, my guess is there's been some darkness that's impacted your life. This might be a year when you have struggled with betrayal. This might be a year when you have been left or left out. This might be a year when you have experienced a, a diagnosis of an illness that you didn't know about a year ago that takes your breath away. This might be a year when you've experienced someone you love who's suffering. This might be a year when you've lost somebody and the Christmas table is going to feel more empty this year than you can admit. There's something better than just acting Christmassy. There's Advent. There's the preparation because the darkness is not just a theoretical thing out there. The darkness doesn't take a pause for Christmas in our own lives. And even more importantly, the darkness isn't just out there and it's not just something that impacts us, but the darkness is within us. My guess is if all of us were honest, there's parts of us if we look back on the last year that would love a do-over in certain things. Where the power of our sin has overwhelmed us in its strength and maybe we have hurt those whom we love. The darkness doesn't take a pause within us or around us or in this world, and neither should we. The Advent journey is one where we don't escape for a little while the darkness. The Advent journey is where one where we are reminded that in the midst of the darkness, light comes and that the darkness cannot extinguish it. We face the darkness because the darkness has lost already. That's the journey we're going to be taking together, moving towards that moment in silent night as we hold candles aloft, declaring a message of love and hope in our own lives and in our world. So with that in mind, I want us to read our text for today. It comes from the lectionary as we begin this journey of Illuminate, this Advent journey. It's from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 64, starting in verse 1. I invite you to listen to God's word to us today. He writes this. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down so that the mountains would quake at your presence as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil to make your name known to your adversaries so that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome deeds that we did not expect, you came down. The mountains quaked at your presence. From ages past, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who works for those who wait for him. You meet those who gladly do right, those who remember you in your ways. But you were angry and we sinned. Because you hid yourself, we transgressed. 
We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy cloth. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. There is no one who calls on your name or attempts to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have delivered us into the hand of our iniquity. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be exceedingly angry, O Lord, and do not remember iniquity forever. Now consider, we are all your people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Lord, we ask that no matter who we are or how we gather in worship today, what doubts, what questions, what beliefs, what opinions, that you would meet all of us here, that we would experience your gospel, your good news, and it would change us forever. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, friends, I want you to keep this scripture passage in front of you. We're going to refer back to it several different times, and I want you to be able to look at it and see what's there. But, but this is an Advent scripture passage. This is not a Christmassy scripture passage, is it? Like, there's nobody, there's no preacher that I know of who on Christmas Eve is going to be like, you know what? Get rid of Luke 2 this year. We don't need the manger and the angels and the shepherds. Let's go with Isaiah 64. Let's go with some sin and some iniquity and and, and how God uh, needs to show up in the middle of that. No, this is an Advent text. This This is a text where there's a yearning in Isaiah. There's almost a desperation. Look at verse 1, how it starts. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. This is somebody who's looking for more than just religion. And just, you know, I just need some good moral teachings to guide me through the year. I'm just kind of looking for some advice as I go through. This is someone who's looking for more than sin management, which is what religion can be reduced to, how to act the right way and avoid doing the bad things. This is somebody who sees the darkness around within that's impacting us and starts out with this prayer, oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. Can you think about a time in your life when maybe that was the only prayer that you could muster? God, just tear open the heavens and come down. That's what Isaiah is writing about here. This is an acknowledgement that there's darkness that's all around. He talks about the sin and the iniquity, the transgressions that are here. But but as we engage this, there's one particular thing that I want us to see here, and I don't want you to miss it. You might have looked at it and thought, is that a typo? Is that right in kind of what they've done here? Because twice in this passage, Isaiah, uh, and if you look at your passage, the verses aren't numbered there, but it's about halfway down. Twice in this passage, Isaiah admits that there's darkness, admits that there's sin, admits that there's iniquity and transgression. But you notice what he does? He kind of blames God for it, which is bold, right? Look at verse five. But you were angry and we sinned. We sinned. Why? Because you hid yourself. We transgressed. I mean, we transgressed, but it's kind of your fault because you hid yourself from us, right? If you hadn't hid yourself, who knows what would happen, but you've hidden yourself, and so we've transgressed. And maybe you're going, well, that doesn't sound very churchy. That doesn't sound like it should be in the Bible. Maybe it's a translation error. Maybe, you know, Isaiah just made a mistake. He preaches without notes. 
and sometimes he says things he wished he didn't say. Uh, I'm just kind of lost in the moment. Maybe Isaiah just kind of got it wrong a little bit. And to make certain that we don't make that mistake, we see a little further down in verse 7. He says, um, for you have hidden your face from us and have delivered us into the hand of our iniquity. You, God, have hidden your face from us and you've delivered us into our own iniquity. Again, there's iniquity, there's sin, there's transgression. But God, it's kind of your fault. Because you've hidden your face from us. Can you remember a time in your life where it felt like God was hiding from you? That's not Christmassy, but it's important. I have. You ever had a time in your life where you felt like God was hiding from you? You ever had a time in your life where it felt like God was silent or absent? God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. There's moments that's hard to utter with any conviction. God, you've hidden your face from us. God, I'm offering this prayer up to you. This is as pure of a prayer as I can offer. How can you let this happen in the world if you're so good? Where are you in the midst of all that's taking place right now? Have you ever been in a moment in life where it felt like God was highland, uh, hidden, where God was silent, where God maybe wasn't there? Or maybe didn't seem to care. That might be an easy place for you to go today, that might be where you find yourself right now, if we're being honest. Isaiah goes to that place, and, and he says that, that that is the cause of so much. Now, I want you to know today that God's not hiding from you. I'm not saying that there's not moments where it doesn't seem like God's hiding from you, but we can affirm that God is not hiding from us even when the darkness feels overwhelming. And there's two things here that I think in the text Isaiah reminds us of this good news in the midst of darkness that we can trust in how God illuminates. And the first is this. The first you'll see is in verse 3, uh, kind of the first third of the passage before you. If you look there, he talks about how the fact that God has come down and the mountains have quaked at the presence of God. If you look at your scripture passage, you'll see that he moves to the past tense for a little while there. And that past tense is important. That's something we've talked about at Covenant here before, that when we're in the midst of darkness, some of the most important, holy, sacred work we can do is to remember, to remember how God has shown up in the past. That God might not be answering the prayers we want right now as we want it, when we want it. And that can be incredibly painful and hard. And I'm not going to take that away from you or from me. But we can do the work of remembering and saying, but there have been times where I've seen God at work. There have been times where the mountains have quaked. There, there have been times where, where God has shown up and given me second chances and third chances. There has been times where I've seen the fingerprints of God on my life. And Isaiah's remembering those times. And sometimes when the darkness feels overwhelming, there's a connection between memory and hope. Again, we've talked about this before. Maybe the most important Advent work you can do this year, if you're in a time where darkness feels all around, is to remember. To remember how God has been at work in your past and to let that spark give you a sense of hope that God has not brought you this far just to drop you now. God is not hiding, no matter how much it might seem that way. And I want you to know that good news this day. But what I also want you to see, and what I also hope can be good news to each and every one of you this day, is I want you to look as we close at the last two verses 
that are there. Where Isaiah moves to this unbelievably beautiful, intimate language. And that the ultimate hope of why we can trust in God's light to illuminate the darkness within us, around us, and in this world. The reason that there's something better than just escaping from it and pretending it's not there for the month of December is because of the nature of our relationship with God. He says to God, because you are our Father. A loving parent. And then in the last verse, he says, because we are your people. Isaiah, in the end, goes to a place that I encourage you to be able to go in your walk with the Lord, which is that he reminds himself and us of the nature of God's connection with us. You are a child of God, claimed, loved, belonging. Have you ever had people in your life that even when times are hard, you didn't doubt whether there was a connection there? Do you ever have times in your life or people in your life that you just knew whether times were good or bad, that there was a, a bond, that there was a sense of belonging to each other, that there was a sense that we are one another's people? Maybe for some of you, it's a, it's a parent, uh, one of your parents or both of your parents that just loved you in that way, that, that it's not that, that you always liked each other, but you never doubted your love for each other or belonging to each other. Maybe for you, it was a, a grandparent. Maybe for you, it was a coach or a mentor. Maybe for you, it was uh, somebody that, that came along that just made a difference in your life that gave you a sense of worth and value. Isaiah's going back to that imagery and he's saying, that's what gives us hope. Because a loving parent never turns their back on their child. Even when times are amazingly difficult and relationships are difficult. I've been thinking about this this week and some of this I've shared with you all before. Um, my dad and I had a complicated relationship. For the first 18 years of our life, my dad and I were very close. I was the oldest of of three boys and uh, named after him, uh, and, um, and, and we were very tight. But then the summer after I graduated from high school, right before college started, uh, it was about six weeks before I left for college in North Carolina, um, my dad walked in one night and announced that he was leaving. My mom and leaving us after 24 years of marriage, my dad had been having an affair with one of my mom's friends, and, and that night just announced he was out, done, finished. Um, it, was, it was a night where I remember going to bed and trying to sleep at the end of the night, and you just are laying there going, my world just changed completely. Like, every fabric of what I thought was normal just changed, and I don't really know how. But one of the good news pieces for me was, in six weeks, I'm out of here, man. I am going to college. I am leaving this behind. This is a load of brokenness. I'm sorry for my brothers that you guys got to say in this, but I am starting my life. I am in the Bible, kicking the dust off my heels. I am moving into a new season of life. But one of the things that you probably have learned that I had to learn is pain doesn't leave you alone just because your address changes. You carry that hurt with you. You carry that loss with you. You carry pain with you until you deal with it. And that pain started working its way out in my life in a bunch of different ways so that at the end of my sophomore year of college, I dropped out of school. I was in some really 
destructive patterns of behavior. I told, uh, as I dropped out of school, I told both of my parents I never wanted to talk to them again. I didn't want to have anything to do with them. I apologized to my brothers, but I couldn't have contact with them uh, given everything, and I left. What they didn't know was that I went to Boston for a number of months and was there and, uh, and getting more destructive, and then I went down to Charlotte uh, and was there. They, again, had no knowledge of any of this. And there was one day where I remember driving on an afternoon in Charlotte, and it hit me like a ton of bricks how alone I was. And I went into a really dark place and was uncertain of what to do and pulled over on the side of the road. And after sitting there a few minutes, pulled into uh, an area, and I picked up the phone, and I called my father who had not spoken to me for five months. Now I called and I got his admin assistant who I think knew of the situation and said he's in a meeting, let me uh, go get him. And she went and got him and my dad was meeting with a client and got up and left and got on the phone and he said, where are you? And I told him where I was physically but then I told him where I was. And he said, I want you to stay right there and give me the address. And my dad in Atlanta got in his car and drove up to Charlotte and picked me up and brought me home. This is not a Disney movie where it's like, and that was the end and all was good. My dad was far from a perfect person. And I can assure you that I am not a perfect person. And from that moment, we had to have some hard conversations about patterns in my life and some rules if I was going to be home as to what that would look like, what was fair. But we had to start a whole series of work that took years and meeting with a counselor for my dad to apologize for a number of things, for me to apologize to my dad for a number of things. And thankfully, before he got sick, and died, we were fully reconciled with each other. And for that, I will never be anything but grateful. But it was a long road of really hard work. Now, why do I share that with you? I was thinking about it this week. And I was thinking about it's hard to go back when you're in a dark spot like that to go back to it. Not the memories put on Christmas cards. But I was thinking about it in Isaiah's words this week because of this. Despite how hard everything was, I didn't question when I picked up the phone whether my dad would answer. I didn't question whether he would come and get me. I didn't know how it would all work out. I didn't know we'd be able to get along. I didn't know if we'd be able to reconcile. But I did not have any thought in my mind at that moment that he was going to go, I don't have time for this, and just put the phone down. Because we belong to each other. We were each other's people. And that was stronger than the darkness in the moment. Isaiah is saying... That's who God is for you. This is not an escapism just to be Christmassy. This is about God illuminating darkness. And I know what it is like to feel like God is hiding God's self from you. I know what it is to feel as though that God is absent and not answering prayers. But Isaiah is here to remind us and our memories can help us to remember that God is at work in your life 
you are claimed, you are loved, and where you will be a year from now in the places of darkness is not where you are right now. You are a child of God, claimed, loved, belonging, included. And so this day, don't run from the darkness, but take the places of pain that feel dark, that feel like God is hiding God's self, and maybe the best you can do is just name it and hold it up to God and say, illuminate it. Let your light shine in the midst of this. Teach me what I need to learn. Teach the world what I need to learn. But God, let your light shine in this brokenness and in this darkness. And if we do that, we will not be where we find ourselves today and you will know the joy of silent night and lit candles and the promise that the light has come into the world and that the darkness, which is real, has tried, but the darkness shall not overcome it. Hallelujah and amen. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would lead and guide us, that your light would illuminate and shine in our lives and in this world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.